I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. It's been a little bit. I think we've got a little bit more time in between these episodes, but we're back. And today, we're going to talk about sustaining and passing family wealth between generations and how to do so. And I think we've got the best person possible to talk to us about this. Again, talking to us is Lutz Family Office Services Director, Lisa Strutzel. Lisa, how how have you been? Hi, Jack. I'm great. Thanks for having me back. I'm really good since it's after April 18th. So we are technically past tax busy season. I'm not a frontline tax person, but I do uh, catch some of the fallout of that. So it's nice to have that behind us. Sure. Yeah. I imagine you've got families, people, clients calling you and saying, Hey, what, what, you know, what's the deal here? Help me, help me understand this. Right. Right. With whatever they kind of in the interpretation area, I think trying to take the complex and making it simple for the high wealth clients. And I used to be, I I say I'm a reformed accountant. That's my background. Right. yeah, Yeah. So I'm sure that they're very, it's got to be comforting for them to have you in their corner to just even give you a call. I know that sometimes, at least for me, some of the more productive phone calls are just, hey, what do you think about this, right? As opposed to go fix this, right? Exactly. And I am a good person to vent to. So I can understand. And I my favorite thing about taxes is to figure out how to minimize them. So yeah, we have some good, lively conversations on that topic. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet those are extremely fun. <laughs> Last time we talked, was it, we, we talked about family, not issues, but do you remember? Dynamics exactly? yeah. and, and how to work through conflict. And actually, that's, that, right. that's a component of what I think we should talk about today. We're talking about my favorite, absolute favorite topic, sustaining family wealth across generations. And it's my favorite because that's the goal of Let's Family Office. Right. Our goal is to help families flourish and sustain their wealth across generations. And so I live it, I believe in it, and I'm ready to talk about it. Well, and so if you don't mind, could you go into that a little bit? Because I know, you know, when you talk about generational wealth or family wealth, people probably get, you know, kind of get siloed in the financial side Mm -hmm. of it. But I know that you take a bit more of a holistic approach. So can you explain that a little bit and, and kind of why you think that's your way of going about it? Absolutely. So we aren't only financial advisors, we're family advisors, and we take a broad view of wealth. We think of wealth in terms of well-being. And so when we look at sustaining wealth, we the word sustain means to maintain something at a certain rate and to avoid depletion. Right. But when you think of that, people think of that in terms of growing the value of the family's financial assets. But we know that equally as important is the family's human assets, their family members. Mm -hmm. And that's when flourishing, when you talk about flourishing, not only do you talk about having enough financial means, but you talk about your family members being happy and connected. And it's interesting because when you ask wealth creators 
what their goal is. What's their goal? What's your goal with creating all this wealth? They don't say it's only to build financial capital. They also say they want to use their financial capital to build the strong family capital. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like, you know, anytime you hear of things going south or things going sideways, whether it be in business dealings or in families, it's typically when the money gets involved. So I'm sure that explains why people think that if you get your money figured out, then you're going to have your family figured out. But that's not necessarily the case. And maybe the money follows getting your family figured out, right? As opposed to the other way around. It's all connected. We all have heard the term money can't buy happiness. Yeah. That is totally true. I mean, I've seen people who have significant amounts of financial assets and they are extremely unhappy because they buy things to fill a void, but they really don't have that family component. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we don't. Fortunately, our clients, most of our clients aren't like that. But you hear of families all the time that have these very public breakups Right. And I mean, there's local families that everybody probably knows about that have that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you need to look at it from a holistic viewpoint. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we, we could sit here all day and talk about what people do wrong to cause mm-hmm. those kinds of things. But I'd rather maybe highlight some of the things that you've seen that people have done well to kind of build that family unit and, and sustain family wealth. So what are some examples, if you don't mind, or or things that you've seen people do the right way to help, or how do you help people find those right things to do? Exactly, I think that's a good point. I don't touch a little bit, just go back a little bit on the negativity, which I don't like. But everybody's heard that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves Mm -hmm. proverb, you know, in three generations. And and, and I was always like, what does that mean? And it means the wealth earned in the first generation is often squandered by the time the third generation passes on. And every culture has that proverb. And they state it a little bit different ways. And it's funny, when you think about why that happens, what would be your immediate thought? Why do you think the money is dissipated or depleted by the third generation? You know, immediately I would say... Again, I'm going back to just the financial side Mm -hmm. of it, just, you know, irresponsible spending practices, right? And saving. Exactly. So you would think that. Right. And but bad financial management only accounts for 3% of the reason why the money doesn't continue and doesn't sustain. It's the primary reasons are the breakdown in family communication. That accounts for 60% of it, the Mm -hmm. breakdown in family communication and trust. And then the next reason is the unpreparedness of heirs to handle the impact of wealth. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about best practices of family continuity is what I call it, or family sustainability, we focus on five main areas. And that's what we work with clients. And those areas are geared towards preventing the main reasons for the failure. And those areas are, one, defining the family's shared values, two, practicing skilled communication, supporting family members' happiness, preparing heirs to manage the impact of wealth, and engaging in family philanthropy. That's what we work on in a nutshell. Of course, here at Lutz, we do an excellent job with the financial side of managing mm-hmm. the assets. We have people here that can do your estate planning, can do your tax compliance, can do your investments for you, to can do your net worth statements. We have that covered, but there's not that many groups that can cover that 
mm-hmm. and also can cover the what I call maybe the the softer side or maybe the human capital side of things. But so we know how important that is, and that's why we also focus on that here. But I I do want to stress to people because the, there might be number of people listening in that say, you know, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have hundreds of millions. I don't even have a million. I have much less than that. But I just want to stress that this topic is relevant to everybody. Sure. Not only high net worth families, anybody who wants a healthy, connected, committed, vibrant family can listen in and hopefully get something out of this conversation. Yeah, no, and I hope so too. I, I'm excited to keep this, you know, these topics with me personally as I go into, you know, potentially here, you know, in the next couple of years, creating a family as well, hopefully. And and it's interesting because you talk about those five topics, right? The shared values, the communication, you know, holistic happiness and preparing heirs for wealth and, and philanthropy. Those are very qualitative in nature, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you would right. think that a lot of people imagine, oh, I need to read a book to find the quantitative answers or what do I need to put here to turn into this? And this, this the direction of this topic really isn't that at all. Yeah. It's it's the things that are difficult that are kind of nebulous. This communicate and and, and understand it's the each other, stuff. right? The financial side is the easy, right? Stuff. It's staying connected with your family and figuring out how to do that. And to me, it's just really working on being a bonded, connected family and and letting family members know you care as a parent you're you really focus on your parenting you're there to support them mm-hmm. and you know you'll give them the lifeline when you need it but also mm-hmm. to help your kids learn by doing yeah so where do we start then do we do we go into the the defining family shared values and yeah. what that means in the sure. process you go through to help people find those sure And we can just, I'll just touch on some of the high points of what we do in all those categories. And first of all, for helping define the family's shared values, what is your family's shared vision for its future and its legacy? I love the quote by Roy Disney, who is Walt Disney's brother, who really helped create the Disney empire. He said, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. Sure. And I love that. So that goes hand in hand with sustaining wealth, because if you can make decisions as a family, Mm -hmm. it helps you make the big decisions that affect your family's financial means. But I love personally, I love creating a family vision statement mission statement, family motto, whatever resonates with your family, because it's a really great way to document what it is your family is all about, what what keeps your family connected. And I brought ours in and I wish people could see it because, I mean, we were pretty linear. We went through the process that I go through with families. As in your family? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I always have to practice what I preach. And by the way, I hate to, sorry to interrupt you, but I think this is such a it's a unique thing to talk about because like you said, this isn't just for people that are millionaires. This is right. for anybody. And yeah. so the idea, I, I'm excited to take the idea of having a family vision to my family, maybe yeah. in the holiday season Absolutely. and say, Hey guys, let's sit down and talk. What, what are we about? Yes. Right? I'm and excited I have for that. tools that you right. can borrow okay. from me. And anybody listening, if somebody wants to borrow something from me, just shoot me an email because yeah. I have lots of tools and toys in my office that I really love to share with people. But The way we do it, I have this really a card deck that has value statements on it. So Mm -hmm. it's a 52 card deck. You think of, you know, 52 deck of cards. And and what we do is we have every family member pick out like,
like their top values. So they pick out their top five values or whatever. And then, then we tabulate those values and we see what the shared values are between family members. And then from that, we craft the vision statement. And mm -hmm. every family is different. Some families are more like mine where, you know, my husband's a banker, I'm an accountant, we're more linear. And we say, okay, we're going to do a motto, we're going to do a vision, we're going to write it all out, you know, this is what we're going to do. But right. then I've worked with entrepreneurial families and who did, well, one of them did probably the coolest vision statement that I'd ever seen, super creative family. They had two words across and four words down. Oh, wow. And the words across resonated with them, had meaning. And then the, the two columns down also had a meaning. And then they, cool. they displayed. So what I always say, develop your mission statement and then display it. And then talk about it every year at your family meeting and say, hey, does this still resonate with us? And so this, the, my family did this and we even got my mom involved and she was in town for a visit. And I said, and she really liked it too. She thought that was great. So we, we had three generations involved and we all picked our cards and we were surprised at how a lot of them agreed. Not all of them, of course, but we decided to center our motto and vision around mountains and hiking cool because that's what bonds our family we sure. have our families my mom lives in tucson arizona and has lived there for years and years and we've been taking our kids there since they were born and from an early age we made them go hiking with us and my son hated it at first he, <laughs> he could not see the point of just walking and walking and you end up where you started yeah you know right. it's like what is the point of this and my husband used to have to carry him on his back and so now my kids <clears throat> love hiking my daughter lives in denver my son will only go on mountain vacations and he rock climbs and the whole bit so it's really been a great thing for our family and we we always hike together so our motto is every mountaintop is within reach if you just keep climbing. Oh, that's cool. And our vision is to be a family that encourages each other to seek new heights and provides a lifeline when needed. That's wonderful. Yeah. So everybody's really, really cool. different. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and we're all, and it kind of came down to, we're all super independent, yeah. different people. And we try not to get in each other's business unless we ask for help. And so that's the whole thing. That's our value is just independent. And then we had different things that we really care about you know we care about the land we care about animals we all have sure. that and so then we crafted some of our mission statements around That's that fun. kind of thing but it and then i mounted it on canvas and nice. we have it displayed so it's been a great thing any family can do this i mean stephen covey has a great statement about family mission statements he said a family mission statement is a combined unified expression from all family members of what your family is all about what it is that you really want to do and be, and the principles that you choose to govern your family life. That's it in a nutshell. That's perfect. So there you go. I love the idea of the theme, though, right? The, mm -hmm. the theme that you guys have as a family. And as you're talking mm -hmm. about it, I'm thinking about, oh, wow, it's right behind me. That's really cool. <laughs> that is really cool that you and put that, that together. Thank you. And that mountain is uh, Angel's Landing in Zion in Utah. And actually, my husband and I climbed that. And we climbed to the top. That was so cool. Fairly scary. I bet. <laughs> That's, but I, I, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about potential themes for, for my family mm -hmm. as well. So I'm excited. I mean, it's a very, you talk about vision statements and mission when you talk about businesses. And yeah. the first and, and, and only longest business you'll ever be a part of is your family. Exactly. <laughs> right? You're a family enterprise. Right. 
<laughs> you know, what's that enterprise made up of? And you really do need guiding principles. What do you want your legacy to be as a family? And maybe it's just a family that spends time together. That's a great legacy. Yeah. Ours is a family that the way we spend time together, we like to be out in nature. We like to hike. That yep. matters a lot to us and that bonds us. So we look for places to go. We're going... Every year we go somewhere, we're going outside of Colorado this year, and we're going to do some hiking there. Uh, when did you guys do, when did you sit down and go through that exercise? How? It, was a call, it was actually, that was about two, three years ago. So your I, kids were older. Yeah. Then. Okay. I wish I would have known. I did not. I was more financial oriented back in the day. Sure. I didn't really get into the human capital side of things until recently, until in the last 10 years. I oh, wish wow. I would have known then. When right. my kids were growing up, what I know now, because I would have put some, I think they, they're pretty well adjusted, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, you always think you could do better. Right. I think I could have done better with some of the educational <laughs> yeah. things. But mm -hmm. I mean, I th I'm sure that that's, that's anybody at any time, right? Can mm -hmm. imagine how, if I would have known this a little bit earlier, yeah. right? We all have those thoughts. And, I always and... say if I could have a third, sure. which isn't going to happen yeah. at my stage <laughs> of the game, but sure. I'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. I'm so, 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 what's next after you sit down okay. with your family and discuss that and get that kind of fleshed out? Which I'm excited to do. I will be doing that. Yes. with mine. Good. And please feel free to plagiarize. I don't yeah. care. Whatever. Well, I'm going to use it as an example use, for use, sure. And you can use my cards if you want. You can come sure. see them. I would love that. Yeah, I see potentially, and maybe this is me projecting my own thoughts onto the situation. But we've all bonded over Tom Petty. I love it. And we've we've been to so many concerts together, and so music is certainly oh, a part of it. Yeah. Ooh, very we enjoy. I mean, none of us can none of us can hold a tune or play an instrument, but we love concerts. <laughs> I see that being a part of it. In concert. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, so what's next? I, okay, I practice so, skilled communication. Yeah, and, and you know, we know that's so important yep. because of the sixty percent reason why families fail right? right so they don't communicate if you don't communicate you don't trust each other you can tell usually differences occur because people haven't effectively communicated sure i think that is a big problem in society it's a problem in families we see that a lot so whatever you can do to keep the lines of communication open is great and right. i always say if you just want to start somewhere family meetings are a great way to get the conversation started in a non-threatening way. I mean, you can be as formal as you want. We frequently do facilitate family meetings for people. I do that quite a bit. I help plan the content of these family meetings. I help figure out if we really should have a family meeting, if the family's ready. But you don't have to have a facilitator like me. You could just start with a discussion around the dinner table. I have a very good friend, a gentleman by the name of Mark Weber, who's really a pinnacle in Omaha in the area of helping mm -hmm. families create legacies. And he wrote a really good book called A Spectrum of Legacies. But in his opinion, the best way to prepare children to receive an inheritance is through regular family meetings. Okay. And his dad was kind of a pioneer in it. His dad started him down the path of family meetings, sure. had the meetings for his family, and then Mark has continued it and has done such a great job that now he speaks about it, writes books about it, 
the whole bit. But we've had family meetings that range from a two-hour conversation about an educational topic mm-hmm. to an all-day thing where we even talked about family pet peeves. Sure. And we were able to get some contentious issues on the table in a non-threatening way. We, we were able to work through things. I've been in meetings where we've had a lot of laughter. That's usually what I hope for. But we've also had tears. There's just a lot of great things that come out of family meetings. Other even than the communication, it can help you be engaged. You can just have a family meeting and talk about a topic maybe for an hour or two and then go out and do something Mm -hmm. as a family you know just go boating go you know do it go for a hike yeah right do whatever you want and it it, we always have an educational component in our family meeting which pulls in the other areas how to prepare the heirs to handle the impact of wealth and then it really does help with decision making too yeah Especially if they're like a business owning family and they need to work through something. But well, and, and the interesting thing I think about this topic is, you know, when you're in your in a professional setting, you know that you need to address a communication in a thought out, organized manner. And you know, if, if something's eating at you, you know, gosh, I really need to address this with my boss or my coworker or whatever. You kind of take for granted the relationship you have with your family and don't think you need right. to address things in a in a respectful, agreeable way, because sometimes you're more afforded maybe some honesty and transparency you don't have elsewhere, but that doesn't necessarily always probably lead to the best outcome. Exactly. And right. we when we start a facilitated family meeting, we talk about the code of conduct. Sure. That makes sense. You have sense. to let people talk. You can't interrupt. You know, no screaming. You know, you have to behave. Right. Basically, or we ask you to leave. Sure. No tantrums in our family meeting. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't get to do it at work. You have to be a big kid yes. in our family meeting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But they were great. I can't say enough good things about family meeting. I wrote an article about how to have fantastic family meetings, put it on the website. And, in, and that's kind of what our last podcast was. I know it was about but, conflict and, yeah. and handling it. But the way in which you do that is by meeting and communicating. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yep. So that's that's my favorite thing in that category. Sure. So the next one I think you had was holistic happiness. I'm excited to hear about this and supporting family members' holistic happiness, right? And that's the human capital development side of things that I was talking about. That's really focusing on the well-being of your family members. And I think it's so, especially when I work with high net worth people, and you'd be surprised to find out that it's sometimes harder for children of high net worth people to really develop resilience because they have these safety nets. They have people that can do things for them. They're not necessarily allowed to fail. Right. And, you know, I think about that even for myself. I didn't want my kids to fail. I wanted, I, I know when I, my kids were growing up and we were in school as a, and they were in school as a parent, we were supposed to go on the portal, monitor how they did with grades and then if they were having a problem, work with them. And my husband really had a hard time with that because he was really good at letting the kids fail. He's right. like, I went to school. I shouldn't have to do school again. And, you know, I was more like the type A, oh, my gosh, I don't want them to fail. But I can't stress enough of how important it is to let your kids fail. Right. I mean, that's how they gain resilience. So right. we work with family members in that area of helping with resilience issues, you know, we help them figure out what, give them a sense of purpose, what their purpose is, or just talk to the parents about the important thing is just being, for parents to do is work on being a good parent. And a lot of times that just means showing up. Right. And it's realizing that 
your kids each have an individual identity. You're not, you know, they're not an extension of you. They're their own unique individual. Mm -hmm. And helping them cultivate the why of their life and look at the journey and not the destination. It seems like anymore, even I have nephews who are trying to get into college. And I swear my nephew's like the smartest kid. But he had a tough time getting into college because there's so many kids who have these fantastic resumes. And, and it seems like everything is geared towards the college application now. Yeah. Which is, is just, that's just the I destination. And I hate it too. I hate it, but that's right? not good for the kids. You can't boil down a kid to one page. Exactly. Right? To a exactly. resume or to a the college they go to or the major they choose. And it's like, oh, I chose my major. I'm done. It's like, then you just start it. <laughs> Exactly. Right? You may get down and, and you may graduate with that major and then hate your job. I, I mean, there's the resilience piece. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you introducing us to Kristen, Kristen McDermott. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We remember. Yes. Yeah, yes. The McDermott method. Yep. Yep. So I love, yeah. I just, so I, I would have been two weeks ago, drove my fiance and my fiance and I drove down to, which I didn't know if you, did I tell you that I'm engaged now? No. Got engaged in December. Congratulations. Yeah. So she's got a clinical in, in Phoenix for six weeks. And oh, so nice. her and I drove to Phoenix and then I flew back. But the travel itself, we drove to Denver, stayed with friends, drove through the mountains, had horrible weather, oh, drove down through Utah, drove <laughs> down into Arizona. It was kind of a whole microcosm of this entire topic, right? There were points <laughs> where we were just like, this is horrible. This 20-hour drive is going to really suck. And then saw some cool stuff along the way and then got to Phoenix and and it was, it's just kind of a unique, it, I don't know, it just kind of showed me like, okay, this is going to be very similar in essence to potentially a relationship, right? Yeah. And and the things you got to get through and, yeah. and some of the, and well, and it, I think it built resilience in both of us and, and it just showed that, okay, if you can get over that or the, the things that don't go well, that's where your happiness comes from is being able to deal with things that suck, not being exactly. able to have things that are good, right? <laughs> yeah. You can always get through the good times. Yeah, right. How exactly. do you handle the bad times? And right. sadly, anymore, there, if you don't teach your kids to have resilience, you're going to have all kinds of issues. I recently had the opportunity to do some philanthropy education with some high school kids. And cool. I was in a panel of people who went out and we talked to these kids. Where was this at? Do you mind if I ask? Oh, no. I went to Miller North okay. here in town cool. with a the group. They were great. Absolutely great. I think these kids are all going to be like the, could be the next president. Uh, they were all very, very intelligent kids. And then we did a presentation at Camp Kataki for oh, a group, cool. group of high school kids from all over Nebraska. And I was talking to them about what they are dealing with now. We are talking about just kind of having small talk. And I, I said, what kind of groups do you guys have in your schools? And every single one talked about that they have a group that pertains to like the topic of mental health. And oh. a lot of them were called, you know, like the Joy Club. And I said, is that a big issue? I mean, I thought it was. And they said, yeah, there's a lot of mental health problems with kids in sure. high school now. And they said, especially with COVID, it's exacerbated it. And and so these kids now more than ever between social media and all that's going on there and COVID and not being able to go to school, you really have to work on resilience. Absolutely. Kids, it's hard to rebound. I mean, I don't even, I can't imagine when I was in high school if I had to deal with what, what these kids have to deal with now. I certainly would have had problems. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I think the, 
I imagine the challenges are, you know, the magnitude I don't think is ever productive to talk about. They're just different, right? I mean, the challenges are just different. And to your point, if you never let your child fail, they're never going to get the at-bats to potentially be able to deal with worse situations. And I think the, the hope is, I don't know yet, but I'm sure I will at some point, but the hope is as a parent that you can help them through the challenges that they can come out on the other side of and hopefully not deal with something that is too much. Exactly. Because that's the worst that could ever happen. Right. right. And then focus on yourself and your parenting and just realizing that let the the kids be kids. Let them have their own unique identity. Don't try to make them fit in the mold that you think they, they should fit into. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we could talk about that forever. Oh, we, but What's we the next one? Yeah, yeah, right. So the next one is another issue why families don't fail to sustain their wealth. It's just because the heirs aren't prepared to manage the impact of wealth. And so my whole big thing with families is start early with financial literacy training. I did it. I didn't do it even as early as I would have liked sure. to do with my kids. And it's funny because you everybody talks about financial literacy stuff now, but rarely do parents give children practical financial education. They think the schools are going to do it. And, and they don't. I don't think they're doing it that great. No. But, you know, unless, I mean, some of them, I think, have financial literacy software and kids are getting exposed to that. I think maybe more now since COVID, maybe they're doing more online stuff. But I have been many times, I will give like, you know, round up or like give up extra pennies so I won't get pennies back. And I was saying, and I, I can't tell you how many times people have to get a calculator out to just figure out to give me a nickel instead of four pennies back, you know, and change. It's it's kind of sad mm-hmm. anymore that it's all they can whip out their phone or whatever and figure out what they need to do, but people can't really think it through in their head anymore. And so there's just some great, I, I have a lot of fun tools in this area, but there's some great tools out there. Even the spend, save, share, invest piggy banks that you have. Okay. I love those. I have one sitting out on my my desk that I always have people when your kids are little and even no matter how they get their money, if they get it from a gift from grandma or they get it for an allowance, talk to them about this is how much you get to spend. This right. is how much we're going to have you save 5% of it, 10%, whatever sure. you decide. And this is what you should share. You know, get them thinking about being being a generous person. And then now investments are coming into play. And there's, mm-hmm. a you know, a lot mm-hmm. of dynamics with that. I was surprised. I didn't really go into it. And, you know, thinking about investing at a young age wasn't a thing right. when my kids were little. And I was shocked a couple years ago when my son was telling me how much money he made trading in some Dogecoin that's kind of that's yeah. cryptocurrency, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, we right. we never talked about this. Yeah. What? How much did you make? How'd What'd you, you do, do with that? It? Yeah. <laughs> so we were having this. I'm like, I learned from him. I thought that was so awesome, and I was impressed that he was he figured it out, and uh, I didn't help him with it, but. I think I probably gave him the tools to figure it out, or I helped him find the tools. But there's some great books. I think we're going to, I probably talked about this before. I actually wrote an article about this little, very visual, very fun book by the creators of Bill Nye and the Science Guy called How to Turn $100 into a Million. It's out there. It's at Walmart. I saw it at the FedEx store the other day. It's like a little 
10 buck or less book. I know I'm two dollars on, $2 Amazon. on Amazon yeah. Kindle, yep. but I love the book itself. See, I'm I'm the person who Can likes to that? touch books. Yes. Yeah. And it is, I also do the same. That almost kills me when it, it's a only Kindle book because yeah. I'm like, I want to collect FedEx. it. Okay. You, want, you need to go to FedEx. FedEx. Okay. It's awesome. And so it really pertains to ages eight through high school and I so it's perfect for me as you're saying yes what you're saying (laughs) I I mean you know it it talks about investing it talks about some really good topics but I I had probably the most fun family meeting I had was with a group of fourth generation kids and they ranged in age from like 12 to 17 and we did a little powerpoint on this book and we talked about the themes the ideas that were in this book and and they really gave some great ideas and then I have a little quiz that goes with it and you know they all did great they all got a prize but easy super easy book to start the conversation going with your kids sure. and you can make it fun if anybody listening wants the quiz that I put together to give to their kids and if they they want to even email it back to me I'll send their kids a prize I'll just throw that little challenge out there because I love it I love helping kids start learning financial literacy there's another good book that I always give that's written by really somebody who's really ahead of the game in literacy financial literacy education for kids her name is Jolene Godfrey and she has a book called Raising Financially Fit Kids that's out on Amazon and I bought it from there years ago, but she's got just some amazing, amazing quotes in that she talks about. And one of the things she says is the difference between a fantasy and the realization of a dream is having the financial skills to make the fantasy come to life. Absolutely. So we have to give our kids the skills. Mm-hmm. So they can make the fi- their their dreams come to life, and so we work with families on that. We have we have a lot of different ways to do that. We have a financial literacy tool, a virtual one that we use that we we let our clients use. We have individualized plans that we work with with, with kids. In this raising financially fit kids book, she goes through like age appropriate things to do to teach your kids in the financial literacy education realm so there's just a lot of things you can do the biggest thing is just talk to your kids about it you know let them give them a little budget it's funny so I'm an accountant so I think my dad made me be an accountant because I I did not want to be an accountant when I was younger I wanted to be a librarian but I am now an accountant and the reason my dad made me he was he started out as an accountant and when I was in high school he made me budget for my clothes. I had to budget <laughs> down to awesome. my socks. That's I great. literally would present every fall and spring my clothing budget to him and he would either <laughs> approve it or not. I kid you not. I know that's weird. <laughs> I think it's great though. I mean, it, but it taught me a ton. Yeah. I'm a great budgeter now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let your kids plan a meal, give them a budget, have them go to the grocery store. Sure. You know, get them involved. There's a ton of ways and there's a ton of things you can do on the internet if you just put in financial literacy education for kids. There's free resources. Mm-hmm. I can point people to free resources too if you want mm-hmm. me to, but there's a lot of things out no, there. No, I so. think I think we'll put very the, important. Yeah, we'll put the names of the books and resources mm-hmm. on the on the podcast link but no I think that's I think that's wonderful I, when you notice kids or, or in young individuals that don't have any any literacy financially it's it's tough because it's you know it, it'd be a, a little bit of a scary world I guess and you know maybe there's a little bit of oh I guess what's I don't know what the term is but you know 
being ignorant to it is a little, you can kind of be happy without <laughs> knowing much about it, I guess, you know, but so it sounds like start early and consistently yeah. with, with, with train, you know, teaching your kids on, on how to be financially literate. You learn by doing too. I remember I was a, I that's what I was going to say. My, mine is mainly and, by just having yeah. to, you know, pay for my own stuff, right? right? Get out of right. school and here's your expenses. Here's your debt. Here's your expenses. Figure out how to balance it. Right now, my parents right. did a great job. They, they allowed a lot of freedom growing up, mm-hmm. right? Where, where I would, you know, get a video game for Christmas and go and turn turn around and sell it. Then I had a, you know, $68 or something. And so I compiled money and would sell video game systems or, or you know, would have an allowance or holiday money. And they never put any restrictions. It was my debit card that they obviously had access to, but it was my money to spend it. And if I spent all of my money, I spent all of my money, exactly. right? Now that was, I think I learned a lot that way by just having the freedom to use it how I wish. That was excellent education that they did for you. But with some of my clients, they're not allowed to fail. They could spend and spend and there was never a limit. Right. Or they would never have to when they got out of school. They they don't necessarily have to pay their own bills. Right. Somebody else is paying them for them. That's, I don't recommend that. I agree. I don't think that's, I think everyone needs to learn with parameters and Mm -hmm. then eventually you can fly. Right. You know, I I always say give them enough rope to hang themselves. Sure. But maybe don't let them hang themselves. You know, you know, you want to. Exactly. But I understand what you're saying. But you know, I I understand the saying. It's, it's, I gotta give you the freedom. Right. I mean, my, my daughter had a credit card in college. I remember she called up and she couldn't find it and she had to pay for pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> and she called. So, you know, I think in that case, we wanted the pizza guy to get paid. So we bailed her out. But uh, I think back in my day, my, my parents would not have bailed me out. Well, nothing, they were pretty tough love. Well, and that's nothing pushes you to figure out how to manage your finances than to not be able to pay for something. Exactly. And then you go, oh, shoot, I need to figure this out fast. And now there's such great tools. It was funny. We had a client say, hey, I want my kids, my young adult kids to start using a budgeting software. Do you have anything that you would recommend? So I thought I'm just going to pull Lutz people because there's a lot of really sharp younger people here at Lutz. So I had eight people right away. I mean, I... Within 15 minutes, all come back to me. They all said, use the app Mint. Yeah. Probably no. And it's cool. Yeah. I signed up for Mint. Sure. I'm using Mint. It's I mean, really I'm cool. like, it is a really great way to budget and just, you can, you can pull everything into that. I forget, is it like, a, is it linked to Google or something? I forget. It's got, it's know. linked to some sure. bigger, more robust application. But anyway, Mint, Mint has been great. Mint and mobile, we yeah. had somebody here that even trained our client on how to use it. So oh, awesome. yeah, so it's super easy. I That's would recommend awesome. that. I told I told my kids about it, and I think they use it. So sure. Yeah. So another fun fact: you can use Mint. You bet. Cool app. So last but not least, yes. family philanthropy, and there are so many positive effects. Well, for one, if you are a philanthropic person, there's actually all the studies show that it actually like helps your well-being. It, sure. I mean, it it like has positive. That health benefits if you are philanthropic, if you're a charitable person. So that's a good thing. So positive health benefits, it 
perpetuates family values. It can give a ton of educational opportunities to kids. It's obviously a very great bonding tool. So I recommend families who I work with do something together in the area of philanthropy. I mean, and, and you know, go go and fill backpacks for kids that completely kids. Um, We're doing together. that, by the way, shameless plug here in about a week or so. We've got Cassidy Childers has put together an event for us through Let's Gives Back to help out Completely Kids. I know, and I'm doing it. And I will be there, too. Okay, good. There we go. Well, anything like that. I mean, we'll get more out of it than the kids get. Yeah. And that, that's the thing I love about philanthropy. But when when the group that I was with spoke to the kids at Miller North and, and the kids at camp, the Rotary Kids at Camp Kataki, we used this book by Brad's forms called I Like Giving. Okay. And it... it teaches seven ways to live generously and it's such and 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 they also have a website called ilikegiving.com okay and there's wonderful videos that are so i i highly recommend if you need like a pick me up someday sure go to ilikegiving.com and watch the video I like soccer balls. Okay. I've I've watched it like four times. Makes me cry every time. <laughs> I'm super sentimental, but it just it just shows that not only do you have to give of your everybody thinks time, talent, treasure, right? Yeah, right. But they talk about different ways of living generous generously, and even it, one of the ways is how you think about yourself and how you talk about yourself and others. We sure. had a really great conversation about you know how much bad can be done if people like go out on social media and post bad things about each other on there just think about how much good you could do sure. and we really had a good conversation with the kids about being advocates being advocates for the change they want to see in the world and one of the groups from miller north that they said we didn't realize that philanthropy involved advocacy so much we just thought of it as a bunch of old white guys you know giving a whole bunch of money to a, right. to a good cause and getting their name put, you know, on, on a, a building. building. <laughs> but that's not what it's all about. No. So we that was maybe the the old way of looking at philanthropy and the new way of looking at philanthropy I love because it's like your generation is way more hands-on. Go to completely kids, fill up backpacks, do that kind of thing and everybody can do that. Yep. And that really helps perpetuate family values. We do exercises not only do we do family mission statements, we do philanthropic mission statements too. Okay. So then, you know, that's a good way to say, here's what we really care about. So one thing that's common to like, uh, in my family, we all have rescue dogs. Okay. That's a huge deal for Wonderful. us. Somehow we always end up with rescue dogs. Yeah. We have, we love them a lot. So, so for us to go do something together at the Humane Society, that's kind of a slam dunk. Absolutely. So there's things your family, you know, it's something around music, you know, giving to the arts, doing something sure. like that, just something. And Mark Weber, again, you know, I'm going to quote him a lot because he's a good friend and he says a lot of really smart stuff. But one of the quotes he says is philanthropy is an excellent way to connect your money to your meaning. How will you be remembered after you're gone? Teach your children to be responsible heirs and leave a legacy to your community. I love that. So, and you don't have to have any money. No, to do you don't. Because everybody Not at all. has time. Everybody can be an advocate for change. That's wonderful. That, yeah. well, I, I mean, I think that I love the the the, your, the approach that you take to family wealth 
right? I mean, I think that this is wonderful. It's a, it's, it's refreshing, right? I think it's, like you said, it's a recipe that anyone can follow, regardless of how much money you have. Anything that you, you would like to leave, leave people with today? I think just start the conversation with your family. Keep the lines of communication open. Start there and just always think about ways you can continue to grow together and flourish together as a family unit. Because at the end of the day, what do we have? We have our families. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. As always, I really, really enjoy talking to you. I think that Lutz is a better place that you're, you know, having you here. I really, really do. You too, Jack. Seriously, though, I do. I think that this is such a wonderful way to approach uh, business and family and wealth and and it's it's refreshing because I think that it's easy to get lost in the numbers and you know these concepts are really important for us because I mean we are kind of our own little family here at Lutz mm-hmm. too, yeah, right? And are. so it's it's nice to have you around. Well, the older I get, the more I realize that to be happy it takes a lot more than just money. Absolutely. And and that's our goal, like I said, to help families flourish and be happy. Cool. Well, Lisa, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.